Hey guys, brand new podcast and a brand new series streaming right now on Netflix, my series, The Cabin. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. It is getting good feedback from my friends. So uh, if you like this podcast, by the way, I, not to like spoiler alert, I think if you like this podcast, you're going to absolutely love The Cabin. I really honestly, genuinely think so. It is all of my biggest guests from my podcast on The Cabin, Joey Diaz, Tom Segura, Donnell Rollins, Bobby Lee, Big J Oakson, Anthony Anderson, Dion Cole, uh, Nikki Glazer, Caitlyn Jenner, um, Miss Pat, Kaylee Cuoco, Joel McHale. Who am I forgetting? Oh, Fortune Feimster. Who else am I forgetting? I do this every time. I think that's everyone. One episode, two episodes, three episodes, four episodes, five episodes. Yeah. Five episodes. It's streaming right now. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, and do me a favor. As you know, with podcasts, they build by uh, spread word of mouth. So if you do enjoy it, just tell a friend. That's that's solid. You can do me. You know, uh, we put out a lot of free content, and I think Netflix may cost you money, but if you got Netflix, it's free. And so it's, I just hope you enjoy it. That's all. I hope you enjoy it. Um, I would also like to say thank you to a deep, deep, deep-hearted thank you to Halston, who has been with me now three years three years of working together and they have been a great three years. I know that I get a bad rap with the fans that listen to Leanne's podcast that I don't technically listen to Halston sometimes, or I don't know anything about Halston or I, uh, <coughs> I did one episode and I got trashed so hard by the fans. Well, I'm here to say that I am a shit boss to everyone I work with. I am not the best guy to work with because a, I drink a lot. B, my work hours are weird. We're doing this on Thursday morning, the morning of the uh, of my Two Bears, One Cave live event. And so Halston's been tracking me down trying to get me to do this. And I'm a pain in the fucking ass. I am a pain in the ass. And I said this to Halston earlier. You are the number one employee I have. You are so fucking reliable. You are so fucking amazing that I hope for whatever reason that you don't know that about yourself and you just stay working with me. I don't want you to go on to bigger, better things. I could not do this podcast without you. And trust me when I say there is a period of time where I thought I couldn't do it with anybody. And you know that period of time and you know that transition time. You've been invaluable to my family, Georgia and Isla. Think of you as just like a cousin that comes over every week. I haven't seen you in a while, but we still, yeah, they spoke the other day. Um, you've been amazing, man. I know that Leanne feels the same way about you and, uh, and we absolutely love you and, and thank you for everything you've done over these past three years. Thank you. Did, didn't expect that. Did you Austin? No, not at all. Thank you so very much, man. I appreciate that a lot. I mean, it's been the best three years of my life, dude. I was, I was a guy listening to your podcast, delivering pizzas, a little miserable. And then you mentioned that you needed a producer and I was like, that's my job. I've been learning how to produce for years now. That's my job. You live across the street from me. I'm going to fucking go get that job. And I, I mean, yeah, it's been the best three years of my life. We've done shows together. We've, we've traveled a little bit together. We've done so many podcasts. Three years of podcasting is a lot. And uh, it's 170 podcasts. Yeah. Plus. Not more. Yeah, more plus the something's burning uncut and open tabs and 
all that stuff, dude. And I'm so excited for the next chapter and with the new podcast studios. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fucking fun, dude. It's going to be awesome. Hey, man. I, I, this podcast is, is something I absolutely love doing. And I want to get back in person. I'm not, I think this one we did with Steve Burns, a really good podcast. Um, it's a really good podcast because we just kind of, you forget how close you are with people when you haven't seen them in a while and you haven't seen anyone in a while in six months. And so you're not bumping into anyone at the clubs and we have a great podcast. I did this on the road last week. We have a good one coming up next week, but I'm ready for the next chapter. I'm ready to get into the house. I'm ready to get into the new podcast studio. I'm ready for fucking COVID to be over. I know everyone feels that way, but fuck. And by the way, what bigger and better things, dude, you're number six on Netflix. What am I going to do? Number five on Netflix, dude, who, You're you're a fucking superstar right now, dude. <laughs> I don't know about superstar, but I'll tell you right now. All I think is, my 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 goal is to get into that new podcast studio and put out some fucking banging content. Because I think this is so fucking stupid. But I swear to God, you want to hear how fucking weird this world is. And I, this is to everyone listening who knows who's been with, with me on this journey. And it's such a weird fucking journey that we've all been on this is a this is a sub a subset of this group of people that listen to this podcast is are my diehards like that's like we're like a family and this is so silly but i go man i hope this cabin does well so i can get bigger guests on my podcast not fucking crazy that i do a tv show so that i can expand my podcast because i love this fucking podcast I love some of the conversations we've had on here. I'm sure that uh, I've said inappropriate stuff, but I love that those people that listen to this don't light you up for that. And they fucking text you and go, Hey man, just so you know, you're a little off on whatever fucking issue you try to cover on like abortion. Or I remember distinctly making a joke about abortion to someone. I won't say their name. And they were like, I had an abortion when I was 15. I know you remember that conversation. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess I got to fucking, and then a bunch of people hit me up like, yo Bert sound like a moron i was like all right i appreciate the fucking heads up but yeah i uh thank you halston i don't know what i don't know i don't know what i do without you so um and yeah the cabin is uh is streaming everyone enjoy it everyone enjoy it and then we got some reads in the middle and then i think i'm back on the road i'm back on the road (laughs) by the way testing covid free yesterday just give it a heads up me and Tom's live event is tonight. I think you're going to miss it if you are getting this right now. But you know, you know what? You can still download it. It is fucking well worth. It is well worth the fucking download fee. Trust me. Trust me. We followed through on just about everything we said we'd do, except we're, I don't, we, we're having a hard time getting cocaine and, uh, and um and jennifer aniston will not return our call but uh it is we went to a dominatrix yesterday and it is the funniest fucking thing i've ever shot in my life we were crying laughing and it's going to be a great live event i'm going to get an iv uh soon i'll be live streaming soon (coughs) i'm gonna take another nap i'm fucking tired i stayed up late last night hung out with my daughters went to mcdonald's with them i might try to get on the treadmill around one o'clock burn some calories then I fly back out on the road tonight or tomorrow morning. I think we're in Houston on at the Unite. No, that's United is the flight I'm on. 
We're in Houston tomorrow, right? Houston, Texas, two shows. San Antonio on the 17th, two shows. Dallas-Fort Worth on the 18th, two shows. St. Louis, Missouri on the 20th, two shows. Toledo, Ohio on the 21st, two shows. Cleveland, Ohio on the 22nd, two shows. Hoffman Estates on the 23rd, two shows. That's Big Bear. Oh, man. Are you going to Big Bear on the... I probably shouldn't tell everyone where you're going to be. Yeah, I'm going to Big Bear with my girlfriend. She comes back this weekend after five months, dude. Holy shit. She's been gone for so long. Oh, hell yeah. Are you just there for the weekend? Yeah. And then Two Bears, One Cave at the Hollywood at the Rose Bowl on the 28th with me and Tom Segura. It's just us doing stand-up. Look, I know those tickets are expensive. I know tickets are expensive for drive-ins because it's for the whole car. Hold on, we got to take a call from my manager. Hey, Reg, I'm doing a podcast intro. What's up? Talk to you later. All right. All right. Um, <clears throat> so, and we just announced I've got shows November 6th and 7th in San Francisco and, and Burlingame, California, respectively. On the 20th, I'm in Reno, Nevada. And on the 29th, I'm in of November. I'm in Escondido. And I think on the 29th is my last show for six months. I think I'm taking six months off. We got big things cooking. And so we'll see. We'll see. Let's get to the podcast. This has been a long intro. I apologize, everybody. I just, uh, I'm feeling it today. I'm in a good mood. Today's podcast, <coughs> oh, excuse me. Today's podcast is, uh, by the way, I made a joke on stage. When you cough these days, it's like you're walking, like in an airport, it's like you're walking around with a hard dick going, I have AIDS and I'm giving it to you. That's the kind of joke that I probably got to stop making now. All right. Um, I have, uh, today's podcast with Steve Byrne. Steve Byrne, I've known my entire career in comedy. I met him in New York City um, back in the day. We, I think we talk about that. We talk about, we toured with Jameson for a while. We talk about that. We toured with Billy Gardell. We talk about the movie he did now, the, just so you know, the, the inside joke or the joke was, and Steve will talk about this on the podcast. We talk about this up front, but I want to clue you into what would happen. Cause I don't know if I talked about this is Steve called me one time and he said, and he goes, Hey, do you have, or he texted me. He said, do you have Segura's number? And I was like, yeah, I forget how it goes. I, I was busting his balls crazy about it. Do you remember how the story goes? Austin? Yeah. I mean, he was, he had, tried to get a hold of you to cast you in his movie and uh i was out of the country on my machine yeah and and he then he texted me and said hey do you have segura's number and i said sure and i said what why and he goes oh i want to put him in a part in a a movie i'm making this this is the movie segura's in this movie it's called the opening act and i remember i made a joke going you called me for segura's number to put segura in a movie i could have played that part and I was busting his balls every time his movie would come out. I would make a joke about it on the podcast. You probably remember. And then Steve sent me, and you'll get the email. He sent me an email that was from the. Uh, uh, he sent me an email that was from to Vince Vaughn and Peter Billingsley. We talk about that. We talk about his movie, the opening act. It is streaming tomorrow on all platforms. Uh, iTunes Apple. and Amazon for purchase, on, and in theaters, and in theaters iTunes and Amazon or purchase. Go check it out. Steve is a fucking great guy. It's a great movie. Huge cameos all throughout it. Cedric the Entertainer is fucking awesome. Jimmy, 
Jimmy Yang, who we've had on the podcast, fucking kills it. He is such a fucking talent, man. He is such a talent. He kills it. Segura's in the movie. Saratiana's in the movie. Um, Neil Brennan's in the movie. Fucking everyone, everyone's in the movie. So you're going to love it. So go check it out. It's streaming tomorrow, Friday. So if you're looking for something to do this weekend, we got options for you, baby. Without further ado, my buddy, this isn't crazy to say, my buddy, stand-up comedian, director, writer and director. By the way, he also has a movie about Amazing Jonathan that's out there that's fucking great. My buddy, Steve Byrne. Where are you? I'm, uh, I'm outside. <laughs> are you in LA or are you in LA or in, uh, I'm in LA for two weeks. And then we, we just put in, we're putting in an offer on a home today, um, for a home in Nashville. Are you ready to record Halston? Yes. All right. We're going. So wait, uh, God, you're part of the Exodus too. Are you? Yeah. You're staying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm staying. You're leaving. I heard Sebastian's moving. I heard, so I know Segura's moving. Yeah. Joe's gone. Joey left. Well, you got, you got kids that are established in school. I mean, that's, if you didn't have, if your kids were three or four, would you do it? Uh, uh, yeah. Was that, yeah, was yeah, that yeah, the well, main reason the, why you're not? Here's the, the main reason I'm not. Well, here's the reason is I don't feel like I'm done. I haven't given up on Hollywood yet. Like I haven't given up on the system. I haven't given up on, networks i haven't given up on television i haven't given up on movies right like like you you have always been able to forge your own path where you just kind of did it like i I, you're in your career is like i was up last night drinking thinking about it (laughs) you're the only person i know that that within a year releases a documentary and a movie like you're like you're just like you're like a fucking you're like a bulldozer but I'm forced to because no one, my phone has never rung, never rung. Like it's never rung. So it's just like, all right, well, fuck, I, I, I guess I got to, you know, I got to write my own show if I'm ever going to be on TV. I, you know, if I'm ever going to do a film, I, I guess wait, I got to. Let's start. Write. Let's stop real quick. Walk me through your career. Okay. I want to know, I want to know what, like what you've done. Cause you, I, I, in, I forgot for a split second that you had a successful sitcom. <laughs> Well, look, even even our specials, Bert, they've always been acquired. They've never been produced. Like you've had produced, like Netflix branded your their. They put Netflix on it and put it out there. I've never had that. I was I was I did the acquired that. ones. I did the acquired ones too. Those acquired ones were sneaky, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. It's like you film them and they they do these. <laughs> we'll buy ten and then they film twenty and. You know, you just hope to God you're the Plinko chip that ends up in 10 grand, like close enough. And I've always been an acquisition. I, you know, it, it's, it is what it is. But I'll tell you, the whiskey at the after party tastes a lot better when you got dirt underneath your fingernails. That is for goddamn sure. And if there is anybody, I, I tweeted this out and I meant this when I saw your trailer for the cabin, I got emotional watching it and I could get emotional like now. Even, excuse me, even, even like talking about it because um, like I really, I have an immense respect for you because I remember in New York how 
<laughs> desperate's not the right word, <laughs> but there was just this overwhelming gumption that you possessed that even though you weren't like passed at the cellar or something, like you were always at Boston, you were always grinding, you were always on the road, you were always grinding. And I, even like the hours, always grinding. And then, and then this, this, this moment in time happens for you where all these things kind of come together with the machine going viral and then, you know, Rogan and all this, it just like blew up. And ever since then, I've been so happy for you. And you're one of those guys. When I see, when I saw that trailer, I was like, fuck, thank God. Thank God somebody got him. Somebody finally fucking understood him. Because when you were doing the travel channel stuff, I was like, oh, that's great. That's that's Bert, but it, it, that's not Bert. That's, right, yeah. And then this show, I was like, that's Bert. Because there's the mayhem, the craziness, and there's a lot of fucking heart. A lot of heart. And I thought that's, that was the great partition that I saw in the trailer where I was, I was just so happy for you. The stand-up obviously stands on its own. And it's great, but that that trailer made me really, really happy for you. I was really excited for you. I'm really, I'm really proud of you, and congratulations on your new movie, uh, which. So I emailed you something, okay? So I emailed. I, you yeah, something. I just got that, and I went, "Did is that to the wrong guy?" No, okay. So every time I've talked to you about my film, you've had, <laughs> you've had this, you've had this deep seated notion. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not telling me the truth, Steve, and you brush it on the rug, and you don't believe me, okay? Now, what you'll see there in the email is an email dated, I believe, is it March? May 30th, 2018. May 30th. Okay. So, so we're, we're still casting the film, okay? Vince and Peter told me, who do you want to put in certain <laughs> roles, okay? Yeah. That are, are comics that you really think are talented and good and, and specific to this. So I would have to email them names of comics, and then they would vet them. And then they get back to me and give me approval. Okay. So you'll see in the email, it says Ricky, I, I the sound it. guy who was the kind of party guy. That's why I, I assumed you would be great. Um, I put you in into that list and you see Sarah Tiana's secretary, um, Sasha, who was the alt comic, Joe DeRosa, Jimmy Carr, and the security guard was Alonzo Bowden or Dion Cole. And the one thing I'll say about that email is everybody that was in that email that was a selection was in the film. Okay. Yeah. So you were in it as Ricky. When I sent the submission to these guys, um, Vince took later everybody. He goes, Vince and Peter both go, well, he looks like a cop. We haven't, we haven't cast the cop. Why don't you have, ask him if he can do the cop? I go, so it's approved. They go, yeah. So that, that was the process I have to go through. Then I called you. And then I called you. Hey, it's Bert. I'm out of the country. Hey, Bert, it's Bert. Give me a call. Click. I didn't hear from you, okay? That so this like backs up the evidence that you never believed, okay? And what happened was <laughs> when you didn't call me back because oh, I thought so I thought you were out of the country. After that email, after that voicemail message, yeah. I thought, oh, Bert's out of the country. So then I go back to Vince and Peter. I go, they go, what happened? Because I, I would go through everybody. Tiana said yes. Um, Alonzo said yes. And uh, DeRosa um, ends, ended up doing something else. He, he was a sound guy in a radio show. Yeah. And so they go, they go, okay, well, if he's out of the country, who, who can you get? I, I go, uh, Segura. And that's when I texted you, I think a day or two later yeah. about Segura. And then you texted me Segura's number back. And that's why I got in touch with Segura. So I'm telling you the unequivocal truth because I, I was like, it's going to come up and I want to let him know as a friend, I respect and I really, 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 really want to put you in it. You were one of the first people I thought of when I was coming I, up with a cast. Can I tell you? Can I yeah. tell you? 
I'm done. I want to tell you, I, I'm, I've been telling you the truth and you've never believed me. You go, no, Steve, you never called. And I go, Bert, I'm telling you, you go, okay, okay. And you would just brush me off. And I'm like, I'm telling you the fucking truth. It was, it was more fun to have my story than to be, than to, to do the movie and you find out I can't act. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd be great. I really um, do. And, and I want to know, is, is your film happening? The, the one that I read about six months yeah. ago, are you guys, is it still in motion? Yeah. Yeah. We're there. We're, I think we're shooting in March in Prague. Oh my God. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. 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 I'm, so I'm, scripts done everything. Scripts done. We got a director. We, uh, we're going through rewrites now of the script of like uh, what we're hanging. We're holding on to the shit we love, like the motifs we love. Mm-hmm. And then anything we don't, we kind of move out. And then, and I, and I, I love our director and I, I fucking me and him did a Skype the other day and just ended up talking about our dads for fucking two hours. And That's so, right. um, yeah. And so we're moving forward. It looks like we're going to shoot March. Dude, congratulations. I'm so excited for you. And again, oh, I'm not, I'll, be, I'll be on the phone with you a mil- nonstop when we start doing this movie. Ask me anything. I, I can give you partial advice. Well, it's <laughs> like, interesting. You know, it's I interesting learned. because I, when, when we started talking about our movie and, and talking about who would play what roles and whatnot, I immediately did what you did in your movie and you cast comics in yeah. so many roles. I'm dying to know what, like, like, like Porter was the only one I didn't know it was Porter. Oh, with the backwards hat. And the, yeah. I didn't, I didn't recognize oh, so you it. Saw, was, you saw the link then. Oh, I saw the, I saw the whole movie. We watched the movie last night on the bus last night. We loved it. Oh, okay, good, good. Yeah, it's great, man. It was great. We watched, watched the whole fucking movie last night. I blacked yeah. out towards the end, but I got the whole movie in. <laughs> okay. Um, I have well, so yeah. many questions. I have so many, so many questions. Sure. Yeah. So let's, I'm going to start with this, yeah. which is the obvious question. But do you, do you believe me now? Yes, I do. A hundred percent. I'm telling you, Bert, you, I, I wanted you, I really respect you. And I, I, it's not until like years later when you're in the middle of a hurricane, you don't really think about things, right? You're just on the road, but that Jameson tour, those were some of the best times I ever had touring and you were nothing but a fucking blast to hang with. And when you go back to being a profession of solitude by yourself and a lone gun, you you miss the camaraderie, but you also miss those fucking those fun nights. And I really do. I as I get older, I miss them more and more. But um, I really had a great time. And I, I'm telling you, man, when when this happened, I have another list too. I didn't. I don't. I don't want to inundate your inbox. Yeah. There's another list of like people I for sure wanted to have in the film, and I sent it to them, and they go, okay, let's go through these and find characters for them and stuff. So whatever. Well, no, it's it's I I 100% believe you. Okay. I want I want to know I. How, you wrote the movie. How much of this is based all off happened. of your experience? Once he's on the road, all of it happened. So, but trailer like park, okay. trailer park, which you saw, that was in Raleigh, North Carolina. Radio was KLOS in Los Angeles, and even the Bachelorette—that's Angela Johnson. That scene got immensely truncated. I'm so bummed about it, but it was becoming repetitious from the night before. But that happened. The Addison Improv at Peach Dueling Piano Bar. There's literally a pole coming down in the middle of the far dance. There's the bar when you first walk in. And on the way other side, there's the other bar. There was a big support beam. And she goes, be my Swayze. I go, what? She goes, be my Swayze. And she's grinding on me because she had just been on the show. And I remembered full trans line. I go, no Swayze. And this big Oklahoma offensive lineman comes over. He goes, I'll be your Swayze. And he picked her up 
and he's spinning around and the girls are all clapping and stuff and just don't it was like big ben and crawford was with me he goes what the fuck she just cracked her melon dude <laughs> blood gushing the the bachelorettes all run off and we're standing there and i'm talking to the guy he felt he was devastated we're like dude you're fucking yoked and you just picked her up like nothing he said oh i play for oklahoma and then and then next thing you know we see the ambulance <laughs> these EMTs come in with a stretcher she gets put on the stretcher wheeled out fucking gashed and one of the bachelorettes is walking out and uh, and we go oh my god we feel so bad when she get married she goes in two days so i guarantee all of her wedding pictures are like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> fucking crazy yeah so all those things for sure happen is is the chick that he's dating is that based on jess no no that was um well jess is a teacher so yeah. i had her be a teacher but um but yeah everything in the first act like the office i never worked in an office never had a cubicle my dad didn't die my mom's still around yeah that like, was interesting those were the things because like, i i i ended up becoming um territorial over parts of the story going hold on steve's dad's not asian like wait hold on like yeah. and, I, and i started going wait stop hang on and then dave dave williamson who had seen the movie before previously sure. was in the bus he's like bird it's not an autobiography about steve <laughs> that's right and i was it's like okay. autobiographical once we hit the road that's all true but it was originally written will o'brien and i named that after a good friend of mine and um vince said look so much as is personal why don't we cast an asian american and i instantly thought of jimmy and when he's we did so that, fucking talented he's great he's so doe-eyed in this and innocent and what you end up getting what i you know it's who's on the poster right and what we got from jimmy was a really sweet film i think at the end of the day it's just a sweet earnest well-intended and i think the most authentic version of stand-up comedy i've ever seen in film i'm i i i'm just really proud of it it's a great fucking movie now what how hard was it? What what was your original running length, and how hard was it to get it down to where it is today? Because well, yeah, the one uh, thing Dave said was he was like, "Man, they've cut so much out of the movie that I saw in a previous cut," and I was like, "Oh, I want to know what you cut." Yeah, we it was originally like an hour forty, and then we had to we wanted to keep the sweet spot of ninety minutes for a comedy. Yeah, and so we had to lose so much that I'm so uh, I'm so bummed about. But when you see it like narratively it just flies so that first act i mean he's on the road within 15 minutes yeah and normally that would be at the 25 minute mark luke and ben and han solo they take off right that's 25 minutes for your act breaks in terms of structure but we pushed it up we we just truncated it because there were some elements of the first act that weren't necessarily working as written so we just like let's get to the road and that's everybody that test screened it they're like we, we just want to get to the road quicker yeah. So we're like, all right, how, how can we do that? But there was a, there was a great scene of Jimmy and Cedric at the very end. Cedric's smoking on the dock. Jimmy comes in after talking to Neil and getting his check. He's like, no merch tonight. He's like, Sundays, I get the fuck out of here. So he's chomping on a cigar. The limo driver's putting his luggage in. And Jimmy's, Jimmy's nervous. And he goes, Billy, can I get a picture with you? He goes, yeah. So they take a selfie and Jimmy's looking at it. He's just so proud of this moment. He's, Cedric sees, he goes, hey, here's my card. Hit me up, but don't blow me up. Once a month, that's the max. You get to talk to me, okay? And Will goes, okay. And then Ced gets in the car and, and Will looks down at him. He, he goes, hey, by the way, do you hate doing that Oh Billy from the show all the time? And Cedric then gets in the limo 
And, and he goes, not all the time. And the limo takes off. And it was a nice moment where you know they're going to keep in touch and they have a friendship. And in some way, it was going to be like now he has some semblance of a father figure. But it was just once the film ends, the film ends. That's what you we learned from like Rocky and all these other films. Like when it ends, like get out. And that's what we tried to do. Yeah. What's uh? what I couldn't help but read into names of characters. Like I know your brother's name's Will. I named it after Will. Billy G was named after Gardell. That's what I thought. I, I knew that 100%. Yeah, because um, Gardell was, I, I, you know, when we did that Jameson tour, we were both headlining in our own right as, yeah. as young headliners. making. But like, Billy would always say, don't ever forget, you're a $900 headliner at the end of the day. <laughs> That's right, yeah. He, he would bestow us all these great little nuggets, and he had the fucking best line. He, the line that's in the movie that Cedric uh, distills to Will, where he says, you know, when I was younger, I thought I had to make them laugh so I feel good. But now I know I make them laugh so that they feel good. It's the best job in the world. And I could get like kind of choked up. I remember when Gardell said that to me, I was like, it was like a, it was like a one hit wonder that stayed in my head. And when I was writing it. I was trying to write all the conversations and information I ever took in and am at the point now where I could discern it as a headliner. And that was a line that I was like, I'm fucking putting that in. Yeah. Billy was, Billy was so, I mean, say I'm talking like he's dead. Billy is, but, it, but at the time he was really, I mean, like I, I could get emotional talking about Billy, the things he did. I remember, I remember when we were in, I wrote about this in my book. Um, we were in Cincinnati when Cincinnati was in the old room and, yeah. uh, and it was the first time I worked with Billy. It was the very first time I worked with Billy. And we did the Thursday shows. Yeah. We did the Friday shows. And I think on the early Saturday show, um, Georgia fell and broke her jaw. Oh. And, and it was, and I was fucking ruined about it. And I did yeah. the two shows. We got done. Billy said, you know, fly home. We'll take care of Sunday, fly home. Yeah and go be with your daughter and take her. I, I had to take her to the hospital. We had to take her to, the, to like an emergency dental appointment on Monday morning. Yeah. And so that Saturday night, Billy goes, buddy, I, I can tell you, you got a, you have a 6 a.m. flight. I can tell you what the right thing to do is. And I can tell you what the right <laughs> thing to do is. I said, what's that? And he goes, the right thing to do is go up, get a good night's sleep, get on that flight, be ready for your, parents, <laughs> ready for your family. I said, what's the wrong thing? And I, he goes, you know what the wrong thing is. You go down to the bar and you drink by yourself and you stay up all night. And I said, yeah. Billy, I'm definitely taking the ladder. And he goes, then I'm going with you, buddy. And we <laughs> sat at that fucking bar and we did not even talk. We just drank and, uh. drank and then went to my room and drank and just, and then he like bailed out at four and I got picked up for the airport. Oh and, my I, God. and I was a mess on that plane. <laughs> I was a fucking mess. But yeah, but I, as soon as I saw that, Billy, how hard was it get, to get Cedric? Because he's such a, he's such a get. He was fucking awesome. Like, yeah, he was amazing in the movie. I didn't know he'd be that good. I, I don't mean to you know, undermine so funny, him. I swear to God, I, I didn't know, like Cedric consistently surprises me yeah. in everything he does. When he, I got chill bumps when I watched his his hour special where the marching band marched, walked him out to stage. <laughs> yeah, like, shut the fuck up. And then <laughs> when he did, he was in that Chris Rock movie, I think, where he was like oh, the top five. yeah, and he was amazing in that. He's so amazing good. in everything he fucking does. 
very versatile, very, very down to earth, just a good guy. Um, you know, look, I was intimidated. The first time I met him was the first day on set. And it's written as though Will Chu, Jimmy, idolizes this guy. And Jimmy actually idolized Cedric. I had no idea. So when Cedric came to set the first day, Jimmy and I are both like, oh, this is fucking cool, right? Go over, sit down. We're going to do the diner scene. That was the first scene they did together was the first diner scene. And we're sitting there and um, Jimmy goes, I'm such a big fan. Just to let you know, your, your walk on music and Kings a comedy was my walk on music my first two years when I was doing stand-up. And Cedric was like, no way. Are you serious? And, and that was, you know, he, he was kind of really appreciative of the compliment. And I was like, holy shit, it's, it's like real. <laughs> like yeah. what we're about to do is actually happening. It's real. So that was really, I knew we were off to the races in that moment, but um, said is so fucking good. And again, it's like one of those things where you think about the casting process and Cedric, by the way, he, he came on board, I think in the last minute, of, of like before we were even going to shoot his, his scenes, there was like this moment where it looked like he wasn't going to do it. And then he came back on at the last minute and you just think about all the variables that could have happened and who could have ended up in it and seeing how the movie plays out now, I'm just like, thank fucking God. Yeah. He, he was the headliner. Oh my God. What a, what a godsend. He was great. This podcast is brought to you by Quip. When was the last time you got rewarded for brushing your teeth? With Quip's new smart electric toothbrush, good habits can earn you great perks like free products, gift cards, and more. This is freaking genius. You probably heard me talk about Quip a million times, but this is something brand new, and it rewards you and your mouth. The Quip smart brush for adults and kids connects with the app through Bluetooth and tracks how well you brush, gets tips, coachings on ways to improve your habits, earn points for your daily brushings, and bonus points for completing challenges like streaks. Everyone should be using this because everyone should be brushing their teeth nonstop and everyone can get this. This is free stuff waiting for you. Redeem rewards like free products, gift cards, discounts from Quip and their other partners. Already have a Quip? Well, upgrade it with the smart motor. Keep the features you know and love. The sensitive sonic vibrations, the two-minute timers, the 30-second pulses for a guided, clean mouth. Slim, lightweight, sleek. No bulky charger. You just put it right on the travel cover on the window. Slides in. Travel cover goes on top of it. You throw it in your backpack. Quip is absolutely awesome. And I, the thing I love most about Quip is their toothpaste. Their toothpaste, they have mint and watermelon, are strong, are awesome. They taste good. And they don't freak you out. I have a weird thing about toothpaste. Floss that expands to clean and comes with a refillable dispenser to reduce waste refreshing bag to bring you good oral cares and habits wherever you go. Plus you get toothbrush heads and toothpaste and floss refills delivered from $5 and shipping is free. How smart is that? Join the over 5 million mouths using Quip and save hundreds compared to blue toothbrushes. Join over 5 million mouths who use Quip and save hundreds compared to other blue toothbrushes when you get a Quip smart brush for just $45. Start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today and go to getquip.com slash podcast right now to get your first free refill. That's your first refill for free at getquip.com slash podcast. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash podcast. Quip, better oral health made simple and rewarding. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Whoop, I absolutely love my Whoop. We know a lot about a lot, and 2020 has been a tough year. We all want to live healthier lifestyles, but we 
don't know a lot about ourselves and how our behaviors may impact us. Get to know yourself on a deeper level with Whoop, a fitness tracker that provides personalized insights into your body's recovery, strain, and sleep with actionable feedback in real time. Know when your body's recovered or when it needs rest. Know how much stress your body should take for a workout and how strenuous your day is. Know how much sleep you should get and how well you sleep. I am addicted to that. The insights that Whoop provides is are literally next level. And it's the best fitness tracker I've ever used. It can let you know how behaviors like taking CBDs, which I've been doing on the road a lot. We take CBDs every night. Drinking caffeine, certain dietary impacts affect your sleep, recovery, and in a way that's personalized so you can understand how to better optimize your behaviors. For anyone looking to build a healthier, smarter habits, Whoop is an absolute no-brainer. For my listeners, Whoop is offering 15% off with the code BERT at checkout. Go to whoop.com and enter BERT at checkout. That's W-H-O-O-P.com and enter BERT at checkout to save 15% off. Get to know yourself on a deeper level. Unlock yourself with Whoop. What was, what was, who was the chick that played uh, Segura's wife? Oh, uh, uh, Courtney Peruso. Uh, she's a great, she's like, um, awesome. She was so good. She was so, so good. And that scene was great. so fun to film because, again, that had happened to me in North Carolina. And I was telling Tom and Courtney about it. And they're like, no way. And I'm like, yeah. So, so, so when I was doing it, I was actually kind of like really nervous because it took me back to that like sense memory thing. Um, but it, it was so fun to see Tom. He's like, this is an actual cop car. They're like, yeah, he's like, so I can play with the lights and go with this. So all that speaker shit, that was all him just improving, and, and we just took the best lines from it. But that was, that was a crazy scene of film. And the craziest part was his wife, Christina, was due, was due within 24 hours. So he's like, I might have to leave at any moment because I'm going to have a kid. We're like, let's go, let's go, let's go, because you got to make your day. That's so crazy. So now how was it, did you find it, because I, I know that like both Peter and Vince who were, you know, help you make the movie, they're legit. I mean, obviously everyone knows who Vince Vaughn is, but for people who don't know, Peter Billingsley has been doing movies since he was a child. Yeah. I mean, everything from the dirt bike kid to commercials when he was four or five to a Christmas story, everybody knows him as Ralphie, but people don't know that like, he worked on Zathora. He was a producer on Iron Man. He helped, cast Robert Downey and was instrumental in launching the Marvel universe and a lot of Vince's comedies and F is for family with Burr. I mean, he's a big part of the comedy scene and yeah, I mean, look, those guys have been nothing but amazing. Even the fact like, look, my show got canceled. My phone wasn't ringing off the hook and Bert, you know, I, you go back on the road. It, it's, it's, you know, it, it's dark, it's dark days, you know, it's like, it's like Gardell said, you can do the right thing or the wrong thing. And sometimes you do the wrong thing. And I, I go and get blottoed. And then after I, after I had a cloud burst or two after a few months, it's like, well, no one's going to cast me anything. I got to do my own thing. What's the one thing I've always wanted to see? I've always wanted to see, again, a great film about stand-up. So I wrote it as an exercise just to see if I could even write a screenplay and have the discipline yeah. to do it. Gave it to Vince. He read it. He said, there's some good bones here. Let's work on it. Sunday and Monday, I'd meet with Peter and Vince. Wednesday through Saturday, I'd go on the road, I'd work on it, and I'd come back, back and forth, back and forth. For eight months, we did that to get the script tight. Within a month or two, we had funding, and then Vince goes, do you want to be in it? What do you want to do? I go, well, I'm too, I'm too old to be the MC in feature. I'm too young to be the headliner. I'm just happy it's being done. He goes, you should direct it. I go, I've never directed anything before. He's like, you never wrote a screenplay before. 
It's your story. You can direct it. I go, okay, I'll direct it. Never fucking knowing how much responsibility. It was like, oh my God, it's so overwhelming, but I'm glad I did it. And it, it, again, it's like a testament to Vince and like trusting me to be the conduit and responsible to tell the story. Cause I think only a stand-up comic could have told it and only a stand-up comic could have written it. And it's an immense responsibility for my profession to make sure I got the goddamn thing right. Cause if I didn't, I, I wouldn't deserve to go back on the road and work ever again. Yeah. Is, is I keep jumping all over the place was, but I want to talk about, so it's a ballsy move for Vince to be like, just direct it. Like, like what, how much, yeah. how, when, when you like, how much did you not know going into shooting it towards the end of the day? We were like the end of the, the movie. You're like, Oh my God, I learned a dick load. Like, the last day was the first day I felt like I can do this now. <laughs> That's when it all worked. Dude, the first day I was on set, I'm sitting on my Apple box. You know, I got my, my, the, those like Sony headphones on. I'm looking at the monitor and Jimmy and Alex Moffat from SNL are there to do the first scene. Is, is, hang on. And, the, and that's the, Alex is the, um, the, is feature. the feature act. Yeah. Yeah. He was great, man. Fucking kills it in this. He was fucking great. Yeah. What he was, you know, I had, I had very few battles on this film. He was one of the few battles that I had, and he was a battle I won. I pushed for him really, really hard, and I, I'm glad it worked out because he fucking kills it from day yeah. one, from the first test screening to the last one. Like, people love that guy, and he did great. Um, uh, what were we talking about? Uh, uh, oh, the first scene. So the first scene I'm, I'm doing, Jimmy and Alex are at this diner, and it's after radio, and it doesn't go so well for Will, and... I'm like, holy shit. Like I wrote something and we're doing it. It, it all comes crashing down. And you're like, whoa, this is fucking nuts. So Peter's here. A, Artie, my a assistant director's here. I'm watching the monitor and Artie's like, you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm good, man. Yeah, this is great. I'm looking at the monitor. Pete's like, you good? I'm like, yeah. And then Artie looks at me good and he goes, you ready? I go, yeah, I'm ready. He goes, you got to say action. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> fucking idiot. So like, I'm like laughing and I go, action. So then they, they go into the scene. Jimmy and Alex are talking. They do everything scripted. And now Alex is improvising. First take, they're improvising. And I'm like, oh, this is fucking great. And I'm just sitting there like, where's this going to go? What's going to happen? Like, I'm watching a movie. Yeah. Artie goes, they're going to keep improving. I go, fuck yeah, they are. And he goes, no, they're going to keep going. I go, I hope so. He goes, you got to say cut. I go, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so the first take, my first day, I, I didn't know, say, actually, an eight-year-old would know how to say those things, you know? Just so excited. I fucking botched it. I was so excited. But the very first thing I said that day on set, I think, bought me a lot of credit with everybody. Because, again, it was my first time doing anything like this. I told like our director of photography, Eric Edwards, who worked with Gus Van Sant and Apatow, like all these esteemed people, uh, like there's a lot of those people on the, like Steve Canamesa won an Oscar, I think. He was a sound designer or a sound engineer. And I go, look, I don't know everything about directing. I don't know everything about lighting or production design or half the things you guys do, but I do know everything about the story. So when it comes to story, please just trust me on that. And I'm going to trust on you to do whatever it is you think is best for this film. Yeah. And that bought me a lot of credit, I think, as opposed to like, I got this shit. I didn't have that shit. I, had, I was in over my head on days, but we always made our day, which I'm really proud about. Because if you so, don't, you go over budget. So when you say you fought for that guy, Alex, mm -hmm. like who were, the, who were the entities working with you to make this film? Like how many, 
like I'm, I'm curious about like notes and stuff and like who had notes. Was it just pretty much you, Vincent and, 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 and Billingsley? Uh, for the script itself, yes. Um, when it came to casting, obviously you have your investors that want to see a return. They want a global return. And then you get into all the schematics and analytics of names and what they mean and all this other bullshit. And then Vince, to his credit, was like, he's like, this is a love letter to stand-up comedy. So let's make it a love letter to stand-up comedy. And it wasn't necessarily about the biggest name or the or shoehorning actors. Yeah. Look, there was there was a conversation about putting more actors in all those peripheral roles. And it no, was I, like, I think it was such a great move to like, like, I mean, I, this is going to sound silly, but we ended up talking about Neil Brennan this morning over fried chicken for like an hour just because yeah. we saw him in the movie last night. And we're like, oh, and then I stopped and I was like, dude, people are going to see this movie and they'll be talking about like, they'll just be like, exploring all the different comics it's like part of the easter egg hunt of the the movie yeah well it's it's funny because like throughout the course of the film it's like a muppet movie almost there's all these cameos if you're if you're a comedy fan right and then i remember talking to you because one of the times i talked to you you didn't believe me once again and i was like i gotta make it up to bird because it really it really did hurt my feelings and i really wanted to make something happen so i go to the <laughs> i go to the to the new Bray improv okay and I get oh, yeah, that's it. Did you shoot this at the old Bray Improv? I shot at the old Bray Improv. Okay. So when yeah. Jimmy goes on the road at the end to, you know, to this new club, um, we had a, an exterior shot and I wanted a, a really beautiful marquee and an established headliner and then Jimmy's name underneath it. Okay. So I set it all up. I go to the Bray Improv. I get them the graphics between eight and eight oh five on like a Tuesday. They had it up there. So I had to film this thing from different angles. So I go there. I shoot it. It's great. It was you. It was Burt Kreischer with the hat, no shirt on, Burt Kreischer, Jimmy, or, or Will Chu underneath it. And we, <laughs> we put it up in a, in a screening in the edit. And um, you're supposed to see Will's name on the marquee. And all anybody can look at is Burt Kreischer half naked like this. And Pete goes, Pete goes, I know why you want to put, we, we can't use that dude. It's too distracting. Cause we're supposed to let people know Jimmy did. It. And I was like, fuck. All right. So I tried twice, Bert. I really oh, did. So funny. <laughs> if you took a normal headshot, I guess, I guess it would have worked out. It's fucking hilarious. But as soon as it came, I remember we're in the edit band. As, as soon as it comes on, Peter looks at me and goes, dude, no one's going to look at his name. They're going to look at this fucking dude. He's got no shirt on. I go, well, that's Bert. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so fucking funny. That is so fucking funny. So, so how did the, how did the pandemic affect the oh, God. release of this? Like what, what? Everything, everything. It's like, you know, look, you had an hour special come out during the pandemic. You got a show coming out during the pandemic, which is, it's great, right? Cause everybody's stuck at home, but the catch 22 is, well, you'd be doing colossal theaters right now. And with this new show and all the press that comes with that, yeah. you'd be fucking raking it in. And you're doing the best you can. Yeah. But you know. And you, your, your team knows. I mean, you look at the numbers. You could be killing it. So we, on a personal level, you know, look, people are home. They can't go to comedy clubs. Maybe this is a good Band-Aid. Yeah. Um, but on a personal note, it's like you work so hard for these moments in your career where I always thought a resume is all the yeses you've got, but nobody ever sees all the no's you got. Yeah. And this is the best yes I've ever gotten in my career. And when it got greenlit, I remember I called 
my guy who did my suits for my hour specials, I was like, I want a tuxedo, man, because I'm going to go to a film premiere. I want a nice tuxedo. I got just a really, really beautiful dress. And I go, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to, uh, we're going to, you know, sorry. <laughs> I just said, we're going to, we're going to wear these. And you've been so good to me. and so supportive. Uh, I, I want to enjoy that night with you, you know? And so now like, this thing's coming out and it's like, <laughs> you know, we're laughing about it the other day. I'm like, well, fucking just chuck those in the fucking trash can. We're never fucking wearing those things. Cause I, you know, we had it all set up to premiere JFL in July. Then we're going to go to Toronto and it was just like, all right, it's coming out on VOD and um, maybe I'll go to the improv and, and screen it there. Uh, at least we'll be with comics, but it, you know, it was, it was one of those things on a personal level where as committed as you are and as loving and dedicated as a father and a, and a parent as you are, it's a toll every time you, you get on the road. And my wife's been nothing but incredible. Even my daughter, my daughter's eight now. And when just before the pandemic hit, it was my last road gig. She's, she's eight. She's aware now. And she, she was crying, sobbing. I don't want you to go on the road. I don't want you to go on the road. I, I, I'm going to miss you so much. I love you. Please don't go. Like, honey, I got to go. I'm pulling out. I see her in the window crying and you just want to park the car and go fucking run inside. And I couldn't. Literally, I get home the next week, quarantine, pandemic, off the road. And I was like, this is great. And then maybe like four months in, I'm like, Libby, what fucking fountain did you throw a goddamn coin in and ruin the goddamn universe? Because you got your wish, honey. Bro, I, I, can I tell you, I, the two days, I'm, Maybe like maybe a uh, seven days before the pandemic hit. Yeah, I was in uh, I was in DC, and we're driving from we're driving from New York to DC in the bus, and I'm and I've been partying. No, for, for, but for no, your life. I've been partying hard like, for like a, a a three week chunk, and I'm sure. and I'm yeah. and I'm looking at the rest of the tour, Steve, and I'm going. I literally am laying in bed one morning going, I don't think I'm going to make it out alive. I, go, oh I, go, I literally, I talk to God. I go, Hey God, man, <laughs> something out. Cause I go, I feel like I'm really putting a hurt on myself and I'm gaining weight. I go, give me something like just, I'll, I'll tell you what, you know what I need is I need like a week. Give me like a, what I said to him is I was like, give me like a sitcom or a, or something <laughs> where I can stay home for like a month or something. Yeah, dude. The very next week, they were like, uh, "Pandemic's on," and I, I was sober for like two months straight. And oh, I was wow. like, "I was like, okay, God." And I've been. And by the way, I it, what's crazy, I have had more sobriety this year by far. Like stretches of like when I do, do these tours in sure. between, like a month in between, don't drink. Macon, Georgia, doing a TV show, don't drink for like three weeks. Like it's been it, it's pandemic sadly has given me a tad bit of balance so. i think you and i are similar although you take it to a whole nother level but i think we are both social drinkers i think yeah. I, I will go i don't have any liquor in my house for example um but the minute i go out and I, if i'm having a good conversation within five minutes i'm like i'm gonna drink tonight yeah and then next thing you know it goes fucking way south and so much so that my wife my wife has put an alert on our card. So anything over like 125 when I'm on the road, she gets a ding. And, and I was at, I was at uh, Jake's saloon, which I'm sure, you know, next to Gotham comedy club, 
That's yeah. my go-to spot. Every time I do Gotham, I go out there and I rip it up. The last time I was there, I rung up a $1,200 tab. My wife got the ding. She called me. She goes, you get the fuck out of that <laughs> right now, you son of a bitch. And I didn't even realize what the tab was because yeah. I guess the, the guy was cashing out and had it ready for me. And I found out about the tab before <laughs> I even, she found out before I even fucking know about it. What is your record on a bar tab? Just curious. Um, mine is that oh, night. It was twelve hundred. Oh, I, 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 I have some monsters. I have some big, big monsters. Do you get shit from Leanne, or? Uh, no, I have impulse control problems. So, like, <laughs> so, like, I like, and one of the things, like, the the second I started making money, I loved. I loved the idea of buying drinks for everybody. I loved <laughs> drinks for everyone. I loved. Um, Pizzas for everyone. Hey, who wants pizza at this bar? Let's get some pizza. Who wants like you know what it is? Is I started doing that at comedy clubs where I go to the staff, I go, Who wants pizza Sunday? And they'd yeah. be like, Oh fuck yeah, we're starving. I go, I'll order 10 pizzas. And you know, a lot of times you do that and the club will be like, Hey, we'll cover it. And and then even if they don't, it's not it's not gonna yeah. break the bank. It's gonna be like 200 300 bucks. But I I had one in that comes to mind where they had Pappy Van Winkle. Excuse me? They had Pappy Van Winkle. Pa- Pappy Van Winkle's like a it's like a three, it's like a three thousand dollar bottle of whiskey. Oh god. And and they and they had it. That's why I've never heard of it, Bert. Because yeah. that's outside my price range. I you know, I, I drove a Saturn for many years. I don't drink yeah. that shit. Yeah. <laughs> they but we were I forget where we were. I know I know exactly where we were. I was with uh, I was with Ari Shafir and we were in Jesus. We were in Madison. This is the week before he drugged me. And then <laughs> oddly enough, he's and he was like, I was thinking of drink, drugging you that night, but you were being so nice. And I was like, uh, oh, thanks, Ari. Jesus. And so and they had Pappy Van Winkle and we bought and I thought, I thought it's gonna be a write-off with the cameras. I said, film it. We're gonna oh. order a round of drinks and they were, it was pricey for one drink. And uh, all I can tell you is based on the video, you can't really tell the difference that it's a fucking $600 glass of whiskey versus a fucking $5 glass of whiskey. It was such a oh. waste of money that I was like fucking never doing that again. But I've done that. I've done that a Fast lot. Fast forward. <laughs> I've done that. I've, I, 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 my, my impulse now is like uh the, the my favorite one is Steve Renazzisi never has never seen anything like this. We were drinking in uh, we were drinking in Salt Lake City and we were driving yeah. back to go skiing in wherever the fuck we were in uh, Utah. Where's the Utah Park City? Park City, yeah. And I'm wasted. We're in an Uber, and I tell the guy I'm like fucking, and we're drinking. I'm by the way, I want a beer right now. We're drinking <laughs> in the we're drinking in the Uber, and I tell the guy I go pull into Del Taco, and he yeah. goes uh okay and steve goes what are you gonna get and i go i'm gonna get us food and he's like he's like okay so steve starts collecting orders and we pull up to the window i go i got a hundred bucks surprise me (laughs) and the guy goes what i go i'm gonna give you a hundred dollars worth of cash i want you to give me a hundred dollars worth of food he goes anything in particular i go pretend you're making it for yourself and your friends and he goes i gotcha steve run is easy next week going this is fucking crazy and this guy must have given us $300 $300 worth of tacos. It, oh he gave us God. so much. We ate tacos for like three days after that. <laughs> I went to, uh, I went to Denny's one time with the impractical jokers and Roy Wood jr. And we were, f- I was fucking ripped. 
and he comes over and Quinn's like, yeah, I'll get the much. I go, F-. I go, we want one of everything on the menu. Yeah, I love that. I love menu. that energy. I yeah. love that. And I can't understand people that don't like that energy. Like, I love that shit. Well, you know, I, I think I learned from the best, Bert, because that's that's you. I was in Cleveland at Hilarious. You know that great, like, craft speakeasy downstairs? Yeah. Uh, granted, you do theaters now and you, you no, know, I know theater the shows, but when about. you got to slum it like these club comics, there's that speakeasy downstairs. And it was the first time I ever had 1942. Never had 42 before. So I, I drank 1942 tequila with somebody. I'm like, I'm not a tequila. Pro- drink it. I was like, that's like fucking water. Holy shit. There was a bachelorette party at the show. I go, get over here, girls. I got around. Get them around. There's there some boys from the show. I go, get over here. I get them around. I'm getting, I, I go, now everybody's getting around. So we all got around. Dude, I didn't fucking know it's $50 a shot. Oh my it God. was, that was another, I think it was like an eight or $900 bar tab. Again, like <laughs> just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what the fuck? You have a child. It's home. marketing. It's marketing. <laughs> it's marketing. Yeah. <laughs> it's marketing. I, yeah. I, Joe Coy I, I, bought me shots last night at Hilarities. It's like, no, fuck it. <laughs> Joe Coy bought me shots at Hilarities. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Lee got taller. Yeah. The, uh, I, it's, I, I think it's, I, I've always gotten a kick out of, like, my big thing now is I'll be like, we, this is going to sound crazy, but we've had McDonald's, um, that are people owners of McDonald's or fans of mine, shocking. And they will put, they will say, cause the pandemic's kind of weird. Hey, listen, when you're done your show, let everyone know they can come to McDonald's. We'll stay open and oh, we'll wow. do like dollar burgers or whatever. And so, awesome. yeah. And so, well, then I start going, well, for a hundred bucks, I can get a hundred burgers. And I'm like, fuck <laughs> yeah. You know, that was one of the big, one of the biggest fights I've ever been in was with on stage was with Doug Benson. I bought 200 cheeseburgers for his Doug loves movies in helium in St. Louis. And he was livid. He was Why like, was he, livid? was he like really furious? I, yeah. Oh, it's Steve. It is. By the way, if you ever get bored on a long car ride and you want to listen to the most engaging podcast you've ever heard in your life. Yeah. It's, it's me and Doug Benson fighting on stage and he is screaming at me. Oh, Jesus. I'll listen it to is that. fucking, I've never listened to it. I won't listen to it. It's fucking like it, because I'm wasted. I've been drinking on a plane. I landed off the plane. And he's like, are you on your way? I'm like, I'm on my way. Don't start the show. I'll be there in five. And I call the Burger King and I go, I need 200. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I go, listen, my name is Burt Kreischer. Google me. I'm real. I'm on my way. And I hung up. I showed up. They had the phone out. They go, it's him. Bring out the cheeseburgers. <laughs> That's awesome. Man. I love that. I love that energy. Give me one off the menu. I love that. Do you know what one of my favorite things to do is? I like ordering when we, cause we're with, we, we're, we travel right now with nine people. So we get nine people. What I like to do is I like to order for everyone. I like yeah. to just say, all right, we're going to get, I go, what's the best. Give me your four best appetizers. Give me your five best meals. We yeah. need a pizza. We need a pasta and we need a steak. And then yeah. everyone just cuts it up and yeah. everyone can sample everything. That's the best. Yeah. This is why this goes back to what I think that those shows like travel channel ever got is that you're communal. You are a communal human being. Your shows are communal. I remember talking to a club manager and, and they said, oh yeah, clubs love Kreischer. And I was like, I was like, yeah, of course. And they're like, no, no, clubs love Kreischer because every time he comes, our alcohol sales go 25 to 30% up because he's, he's creating that spontaneous energy of, of the show being a party and communal. And I, I always thought, one of the best things you did was the 
w- was playing hooky from Skip Your Skip Work Day. I was like, that's, work, a, that's so. a fucking brilliant, brilliant like way to tour the country and do that and oh, just was, have people like fuck those were fun as fuck. But then there were some where I was so drunk, like in Tampa, I gave out Segura's number on stage and <laughs> did not remember. I didn't remember. Steve, you want to talk about a scary night, scary morning? I didn't remember. All I know is that I didn't tell the machine, which I always tell the machine, and I didn't tell the machine. Yeah. I, they, I just go, fuck it. I'm not telling it. And I just walked off stage. I don't remember. I lost my check. I woke up in my jeans with no shirt on in a house I'd never been in in my entire life. I then, what? I know. And I get out and I'm like, I'm like, who the fuck, whose house is this? It's a beautiful house. Yeah. Brand new. It looks brand new. And I'm like, no, and I'm like, I do not know these. I don't know where I am in Tampa. Oh my God. No idea. And then I look over and they've got a picture of me as a kid on the mantle. I'm like, the fuck what? door opens. My dad walks in. They had bought a new house that I'd never seen. Before. <laughs> I'm like, shut the fuck up. I was like, I'm in my biggest fan's house. My biggest fan bought a house and covered it in pictures of my childhood. <laughs> you know, my sister's. Dude, <laughs> I was in that. It's so fucking great. I was in Atlanta, and I was what the fuck? Who's calling? Oh, you get a Facetime. How do I? Hold on, I gotta. <coughs> um, I was at a. God, where was I? I was in Atlanta. I was in Atlanta, Georgia. I was doing that. Uh, the punchline. Yeah. And. You know, there's like that fun area you can go out in, like right down the street from there. Well, you do theaters now. You yeah, don't do the shit. Shut up. <laughs> so we're, we're, I'm doing the show and the bartender recognized me from Sullivan and Son. He goes, hey, you want to come behind the bar? I'm like, yeah, I'll come behind the bar. And it was one of those nights where it's like, I'll go out for one. And I was with Cannon. Let's just go out for one. I mean, next thing you know, it's fucking five in the morning. I'm at a food truck. I slapped Gary Cannon in the face so hard his glasses flew into the kitchen. He's like, you don't remember? I didn't remember doing it. This is what happened. I got home. I don't know how I woke home, got home. I woke up at six in the morning. I go, holy shit, it's six in the morning. Fuck, my flight's at, at 6.45. I throw all my shit in the, in, in the suitcase. I'm hungover. I feel absolutely horrible. I mean, this is like one of the worst hangovers I've ever had in my life. Throw it all in the suitcase. Get in the cab. I go, cab, I got to go to the airport, please. Quick, I, I, I got to make my flight. Go to the airport. As I'm getting... As I'm literally taking my bag out, I look at my phone and it, it says uh, Saturday. I go, it's fucking Saturday. Oh, my God. I got one more night of shows here. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I fucking drove to the airport. I was so hammered. I thought it was Sunday. Went back and I was so bombed. I thought I was going to have to get one of those IVs to oh, hydrate me. I've been getting those a lot lately. Are, do they work? I love them. I love them. I don't know if they work. I love them. I, 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 that was the one night I, I, I was like, I think I got to do it, but I had, I had a, I had, I, I had a night in Omaha where I was so wasted that I wake up and it is, it's six o'clock and my flight's at six forty-five, and I'm like, and it's, and by the way, I had plans, like we had my daughter's birthday or something that day. Oh Jesus. And, that's, and the so that's why I got the early flight and I, and and it's the only direct flight to LA. Everything else gets you in at like five in the afternoon. Everything else sucks. So I pack my bag. Yeah. I go, I throw it in the, I throw it in the car and I realize I'm not going to make my flight. 
And I look at the cab driver and I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you $200 to take my bag back to the funny bone. Just drop me off curbside. And he goes, deal. <laughs> so I called Colleen. I go, Colleen, my bag's coming back to you. Can you just mail it to me? She's like, sure. So I drop me off curbside. I give the guy 200 bucks. I go take my bag back to the funny bone. Colleen will be there. I get, I get, I, I, I get, I, I literally run, Steve, run. Yeah. Fucking check on my phone. I got the clear pass. I go right through, get up to the thing. And they're like, all right. They're about to close the door. I go, hold on, I'm here. And they're like, walk on, sit down. Lady says, can I get you a drink? I go, ooh, we're winning today. <laughs> Double Jack on the rocks, lots of rocks. Thanks a lot. Off to the races, baby. Don't oh man, I I miss. You know, it's so funny, and I, I I think you know, watching your movie made me feel like this last night. It's like there are certain people that you that don't necessarily own the comedy clubs, don't necessarily run the comedy clubs, but they are people you interact with nonstop, like 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 radio radio jocks that you become yeah. friends with yeah. and then all of a sudden you have this relationship with this dude that like you're like oh yeah i've been going to fucking like i've been going i've been going to certain markets for like 15 years 20 years now yeah. and you know them i mean cowhead is one of my best friends in the world like yeah he's one of my best friends and i just met him because i did radio with i mean i met him because he came to a show saw me had a radio show had me on and then it's like so bizarre. But one of the ones I was thinking about, because I was like, one of the ones that we all know is Buzz from uh, <laughs> Buzz with one Z from Richmond. Buzz with one Z, I mean, that's right, yeah. Sound guy that has so much personality that it's like it overwhelms everyone that works at that club practically. Yeah. He he got blown in a Burger King bathroom, right? I mean, that's... Oh, dude, he's done. He, he has had, I've had some of the most hilarious conversations I've ever had with him. I remember one time he woke me up. <laughs> he, I got, I get, he's driving me to the airport. He buys me a tall boy. He gets, he'd yeah. always get me a tall boy to take me to the airport. He knew it. I didn't like flying. Yeah. I'm drinking. I crack my tall boy. And he goes, Bert, you ever have six with a, sex with an Afri African-American chick? And I said, <laughs> nope. And he goes, you ever been in a car where a man had sex with an African-American chick? And I said, nope. And he goes, looks like you got your first today. Back seat last night. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he is out of his fucking mind. He is out of his mind. Did, did, did you ever do karaoke with him? Oh, fuck yeah. Of he, course you so would for, do it. So for like, those of you not, not listening, not, obviously not, probably no one knows who Buzz is, but Buzz the guy who ran the Richmond did the sound of the Richmond funny bone. Yeah. And, and it, I don't know if you were as lucky as I was, but every now and then he'd chime Let in. Let me on just the answer the question. No. <laughs> he no. would chime in on the microphone during your set to just punch it up a little bit for you. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> Fucking funny. I forgot he did that. That's uh, right, every yeah. now and then. But he was, he's like an older white dude. He looks like he's, he could have been a cop. I think he was a cop. He was a cop, yeah. He was a cop, and he is, but he is a master karaoke karaoke singer. New York, New York is a song. He would sing it when everybody left on the on the Voice of God mic. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you come across all these people. That's why Ricky, the sound guy, was the guy that wants to be around the comics. He's yeah. the guy that you know. Is that Jermaine Fowler. Jermaine Fowler, yeah, and he's you know so many of those sound guys. They want to they want to go out and party, and they know everybody. 
So if you're a lone gun and you don't know the feature or the, the MC and you kind of want to go out, you end up going with the sound guy most of the time and they know everybody. They know all the strip clubs. They got the hookups if you want drugs or whatever. So that was kind of <laughs> Ricky's thing. So yeah, it was, uh, yeah, you come across all those crazy people, even, even like the, the plethora of girls that you meet. And the one thing I'm waiting for from maybe some more progressive factions of the press is why is it a guy's perspective? It's like, well, it was written by a guy. It's a guy's, you know, experiences. So, you know, I never wanted to force feed an agenda. I just wanted to tell, you know, my story. This podcast is brought to you by Theragun. The stress, the stress of daily lives weighs on us all. And whether you're an elite athlete like myself or just a regular person like Tom Segura, Trying to get through the day with muscle pain and tension is a real thing. That's why I use the Theragun. I, I love the Theragun. I've actually got two. I've got one at the house and one that I keep on the tour bus because we've been doing a lot of activities on the tour bus, like mountain biking. And at my age, my lower back tightens up into my butt cheeks and then freezes my hamstrings. So I have the guys, zhuzh, we, call, we call it zhuzhing, zhuzh my ass. That sounds horrible. But before I go to bed, because I, I tighten up in the middle of the night, I love the Theragun. Their all-new Generation 4 Theragun has a proprietary, proprietary brushless motor that is so quiet, you'll still wonder if it's on while it's on, while it soothes your aching muscles with their Theragun power, signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. I absolutely love this thing. It is so intense. It's like a jackhammer going into your muscles, and it gets deep, and you feel fantastic. Try the Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There is no substitute. For the Theragun Gen 4, starting at only $199, go to theragun.com slash BurtCast right now and get your Generation 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash BurtCast. theragun.com slash BurtCast. Manscaped. Listen up, fellas. Today we have a new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear hair trimmer. I have these little hairs right here and I love this thing. I love this thing. And you probably don't even know you got hairs that are peeking out. Take a look in the mirror. I guarantee you're going to see hair sticking out of your nose and your ears. It's time to keep your ears and nose hairs looking just as nice as your clean shaven pubes. Um, I absolutely love Manscaped. They have changed my grooming habits entirely. And when I got the new Weed Whacker, I literally was like, I've never bought one of these. I've never used one of these. And now I'm obsessed with it. Manscaped is, Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, tugs, and those delicate little holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual blade system mother of god that's technology it's intelligently contoured designed enhances the trimming experience and it's waterproof which makes it easy for use and operation and cleaning the only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium ion battery that lasts up to 90 minutes of use that's a lot of nose and air that's like a practically a year's worth of trimming have you ever pulled a nose hairs out i have and it freaking hurts so bad it might hurt worse than nicking your balls. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to, to deliver maximum confidence while providing maximum hygiene. Yes, you will get a replaceable bait every three months to keep your weed 
whacking time, clean and enjoyable look. Fellows, 79% of partners admit that their, their partner's nose hairs are a major turnoff. It's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with the Weed Whacker. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIRD at manscaped.com. That's manscaped.com and use the promo code BERT. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BERT at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code BERT. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. It's, um, I was wondering, why did you call it the Pennsylvania Improv? Well, we called it the Pennsylvania Improv because at the time we weren't, we couldn't film at the Pittsburgh Improv. We were filming at the Bray Improv and we wanted to have some things specific to Pittsburgh, but we couldn't necessarily afford to do that. Yeah. So we made it more broad and general, just the Pennsylvania improv. And then I thought, I thought, I thought of the Pittsburgh improv the entire time. Yeah. But we filmed it at the old Bray improv. And look, when you're looking for a location, one of the things I told them, I, I go, look, this has got to be done in a comedy club yeah. because so many films about standup, like the big sick. I love that film. It's not about standup, but he's a standup. Right. And you look at those scenes they, it never looks like a comedy club to me. I'm like, what is this? Is this a bar that happens to have stand up? Like, I, I don't believe it at all. Yeah. So we, they're like, maybe we'll build a set. I'm like, we're going to find one. And so there's the 30 mile zone where you get tax incentives. If you film in Los Angeles and I Googled all the comedy clubs. Now you can't do it at the store. You can't do it at the improv because you'd be doing, you'd have to film it like two in the morning until like two in the afternoon. And nobody wants to do that. So I looked up all the peripheral and the Brea Improv was 29.6 miles from the epicenter of the 30 mile zone. Really? I called Hartman. I go, look, we're doing this film. Can we potentially use the Brea Improv? He goes, you're in luck. We're closing down the Brea Improv and opening the new one next month. You can use that as your set. I go, holy shit. That single moment in time is the reason the film got made in July. That accelerated everything. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so fucking interesting. Crazy how it worked out and thank God for it. Yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, what, what do you, what's, what's your next project going to be? I don't know. I, 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 you know, I did the amazing Jonathan doc and I wrote a script as using that doc as proof of concept. Cause I think that that relationship is so, is so fun and rich. And then I wrote a feature film, uh, for Overbrook, which is Will Smith's company, um, about, when I had Sullivan and son, my brother was leaving Iraq. And while he was in Iraq, his wife left him and spent all the money. So he comes back from Iraq, penniless, loveless, directionless, because he's the black sheep of the family. And my wife and I, my daughter at the time say, come live in our cabana, our pool cabana. You can stay there. And so you have two brothers that never got along, forced in a situation. But the family, along with my brother, collectively learns that he's suffering from PTSD. And so the film is about, the script is about um, my experiences of, as an older brother, trying to get my brother back on the track, along with the friction of a Noel and Liam Gallagher relationship where we butt heads. And the film is not heavy handed because a lot of the films that deal with PTSD are too dark and heavy. And I was like, the one film that's never existed for people going through this is some levity, some breath of hope, some a cloudburst. Let's laugh about these things. And there's humor to be mined in everything. So I wrote a, you know, comedy drama about that. So we'll see what happens. Did you, do you, do you want to do more directing? I would love to. I, I really find it to be a fascinating um, occupation when you're the purveyor of the story and keeping the story on track. And I love the collaborative effort. I really like working with people. Um, 
Because as you know, it's a, we live in a profession of solitude. The good thing is that I think that you're finally at the point where you have your team. You coalesced a group of people that you really enjoy being with, that you can eat with, go to movies with, they're game for like anything you want to do. And I think that's ultimately really the goal. That's what you want to get to. You want to create your own rat pack. You want to get your own group of a, a, a good core. And when you're just still like a club act like myself, it, it's tough to do that. That's why you reminisce about the Jameson tour or uh, the Sullivan and Son tour and being a part of a, a great production. So I think yeah, that's what's, what's great about what's great about you and what's different about you than other comics is like, I remember, I remember seeing, I remember going to the J, the Sullivan and Son tour in, uh, in Tempe and not, not in Tempe in, uh, in, in stand up live. Because we were, we were all, yeah. And, and and I think I ended up doing a set that night. I think I was doing travel channel. You guys That's were in right. town. Yes. Yeah. You were doing travel channel show. Yeah. 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 But that, I remember being in there and going, this is what I've always wanted. I've always wanted to be able to, like, you were always good at going, uh, let's get, let's get on tour. I remember you got me involved. You, you helped hook me up with the young, young American comedy tour. I just told Segura yesterday. Yeah. Cause so Segura and I played tennis against each other. And oh, he I told me, Oh, I fucking talked about you him. On, I did his podcast yesterday where he talked about you. He, I, he, he said to me when, when he said I started taking tennis, I said, we, he goes, we should play sometime. And I said, I'll destroy you. And then the other day he goes, you destroyed me. So what are you good at? And I go, I don't know. What do you mean? And he goes like baseball. And I go, you know, it's so funny. I said, we went out and played me, Steve, Ernst. I was trying to explain how much I told him. I told him this, this story on, on, on his podcast, Home Run Derby. Yeah, it was out of all that. That is when I met Sebastian. That is when <laughs> I remember thinking Sebastian was the only person that I could ever connect Sebastian's behavior to, in yeah. my opinion. And this isn't fair to Sebastian. because I think he's a funnier and more interesting guy was Craig Kilborn. Because Craig Kilborn, yeah. I could not tell if Craig Kilborn was joking or being serious. Like, yeah, everything. Certainly. And I remember meeting Sebastian and he was putting on like knee high socks, yeah. matching batting gloves, shoes. He had the headband. He had the wristbands. Yeah. And I remember going, I remember laughing. I remember laughing and going, and he goes, <laughs> what are you laughing at? And I yeah. go, and, I, and the way he said it, I started laughing harder. Like, what's so funny? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm he like, you're not all joking. Adidas, all Adidas. Yeah. It was all Adidas, head to toe. All we Adidas. Just show up, showed up in like cut off tank tops and gym shorts or cut off jeans. And I was telling, I was telling Segura about that, that we used to play derby. But the fact that you had people that are pretty athletic, like Justin Wade is a phenomenal athlete, Mike Young. Ren Azizi, who played ball, Mark Ellis, who played ball. Um, and then you just show up. And it, that was the first time we had done anything like sports, athletic. Yeah. And I saw you feel the ball. I was like, oh, Bert seems pretty athletic. And then you got behind the plate. And I'm talking fucking moonshots, fucking moonshots, like crushing it. Like we were all like, what the fuck? Because we had played a few times. And I go, I go, you know, it'd be a good hang is Chrysler. So I, I, I had the balls, I had the mitts installed it. And I remember inviting you and you came and it was just like, I got to get a fucking new bucket of balls. I, I just spent 30 bucks at sports authority on this shit. We, we had so much fun doing that. And then you, and uh, I think it was you and maybe Ahmed reached out to uh, Tommy to try to get me spots. That, that was my first introduction to the store. And, That's right. Yeah. And, and you had I just come to LA 
And I remember, I remember when, when we were leaving, this is, uh, this is when I, I, I saw you in a different light. Cause I, you know, I knew you from New York. I knew you like as really sociable and fun and you were leaving, you had to leave early one day and you're like, I gotta go to a blood test. I'm like, what do you gotta get a blood test for? He's like, and, and you were basically saying, I, I, I want to stay on track. I got to keep healthy. I was like, oh, that's great. He's like, yeah, once you have, once you have a kid, it's, it's a game changer, man. And I just thought, wow, he's really got his shit together. And then I toured with you on the Jameson tour. I was like, wow, he doesn't have his shit together. Do you remember the morning? I know you remember this morning. Do you remember the morning in Seattle when we played Kirkland and we were driving to the airport at four in the morning and I had a 12 pack of Heineken in the yep. car and you could not stop. I go, Steve, do you want one? And you go, it's four in the morning. And I go, <laughs> well, yeah, we, I, I technically just stopped drinking a couple hours ago. And you're like, sure, sure. I'll have one. I'll have one. And then yeah. you looked at me and I'm like three into the ride and you go, Hey, this isn't healthy. You know that, right? <laughs> well, dude, I told Segura this yesterday and, and Christina, obviously, but the first time my wife ever came on the road was on the Jameson tour. I, I just met her. And she had, she'd come on the road with me the very first time. And it was, um, and, and we had gone to lunch with Gardell and Gardell was like, you're not coming. If you come to my house, keep your clothes on. You're like, why would you accuse me of doing that? And he's like, guys, you fucking do it, guys. And you were a little, like a little stung. And then my wife's like, so what's going on with Bert? Like, does he get like naked and do crazy? I'm like, he's just a fun guy. I don't know how else to put it. So my wife is there that night. Her little sister, who just started going to school, is there. And the show ends. We're having a drink at the bar. And lo and behold, there's a new sheriff in town. You fucking come out, cowboy hat, butt naked, cowboy boots. And my wife goes, oh, so it is true. And then her sister, I remember clear as day, she walks out of the bathroom. It was like she had just turned 19 and I snuck her in and she opens the door and comes in the green into the showroom and you're there. And she goes, Oh my <laughs> Oh God. Oh my God. And Jess, and then we went to the airport the next day together, me and you and Jess. And it's five in the morning and you had two tall boys and you sit down and like Psst. You're like, so Jess, how do you like the road? And she goes, is this normal? <laughs> I was like, for him, it's not. I swear to God, this is not how we all roll. <laughs> oh, fuck. oh, that was the funnest fucking tour. But you were her favorite because we went to Minnesota. We did Acme. The only time I've ever been able to work Acme. Me like, too, by the way. They, they don't work you either? No, he's never worked me. Never worked me. He didn't, and- like, he didn't like us being there because he didn't like our acts. <laughs> He was like, like I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember me and you must have made that bar fucking $20,000 that night. We, we, we partied. So I remember you standing on the bar at one time and you're like, this is going to be the greatest summer ever. I mean, we made, we came up with a game and we played a game out at the bar that night with the bucket, with the, with the the bucket. Yeah. And and because that's oh, and then you, another you, you thing. Did the, uh, you did the Iron Cross. That's what that we did that in Chicago. That's another thing people don't know. And by the way, all these young comics when clubs open up, you need to know so the reason Steve and I worked is because we would come up with games. We get done the show with these Jameson things and then go, "Hey guys, don't leave. Come out to the bar and party with us. We're going to come up with a game. Everyone's going to win a little money tonight." And we would have the same amount of people that were in the showroom in the bar. We did. I have it. You can find this online. We held pints 
in like the iron cross position. I did the play by play. It was you had the play by play. Yeah. I had just bought this camera and I took the microphone and turned it around. So you did the play. Like this, you go in the play by like Chrysler. He's going to take him. Is he going to take him? Is he <laughs> and we had about 20 dudes out there all doing it. And at the very end, it's me versus another dude. And, he, and I'm like, you're not taking it. Was, it is. But that's what we did at these bars. And then we would make the bar an extra 20 grand in drinks. For sure. For sure. It was it was a roving circus. And it, it's one of those things where and I swear to God, when I say this, the, the first time I did your podcast, I came over and I was in the hockey playoffs. So I could only be on for like 45 minutes. And I had yeah. to go and I was I was so pissed. And then I was like, the next time I do his podcast, I'm bringing a bottle of 18 year Jameson and I'm getting fucking blottoed. And I wanted to do it. And then this happened. And when I saw it was a Zoom link, I was like, oh, it's probably because of COVID. And then it was like, oh, I, then I learned from your guy was because you're on the road. Yeah. But next time. Oh, no, we, like, we're no podcast. New, just we're I building a new over. podcast studio right now. And next time I want you in it. And I want me. I'm gonna, I, I wish we could get Billy Ardell to fall off the wagon. But <laughs> we'll get oh. to just one night. Just one night. Get old school Billy back for a second. Get Danny yeah. Bevins in there. Oh, Bevins is the best, man. I worked with him recently in Florida. Crushed, really crushed. Great new material. Great, like, really great new material. So you're thinking of staying in California. You're you're you dropped anchor. You're not going anywhere. Yeah, my kids. I get George is going to be a senior next year. Isla yeah, is. Can't got, go we're building a new house. We just built a new podcast studio, and so I think we're going to stay. And then and then I got the movie coming out, and I I, I really do want it. Like I I really do. A lot of the stuff you've done, I'm I'm envious of. I'm like like I would love to do a multicam. That looked so much fun. That looked like so much fucking fun. And the creative, the turnaround of it being weekly and writing scripts and punching them up and going in and performing them. I'd love to do that. So I still, I like I said, I haven't given up on LA yet. I, 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 there's a few conventional things I'd still like to do. But, um, but man, I'm jealous in that. I, I told Segura, I was like, I think you should move. Because I go, your family's going to have a much better life. It's the life in LA. Yeah, and I will say this as a man with two high school teenage girls, it is not healthy. It is a little fucked up and it is different and fucking everything is. And, and during the pandemic, it's even worse right now. But, you know, Joe, Joe's out in, in Austin and he literally could, Tom said he could not be happier. He's yeah. like, I just spent a weekend with him and him, him and his family. They love it. They're excited. I talked to Joe. Joe's like, Dude, it's like there's not even a pandemic around here. People are just acting normal. And in it's LA, it's just... Yeah, I mean, you've been to Tampa. I mean, your, your folks live there, right? Um, yeah. And I, I, I'm staying with my family until we get in a, a new place. And you go around there, or even Nashville, when I was going around, it's like there's nothing going on. I, you know, when we were in Florida to celebrate my son's birthday, I took him to Legoland. It's like, I can go to Legoland with my kid during all this shit. And then you fly back to California and, and it's like everything shut down. And it's, it's, it's ridiculous to these workers, to these executives, to these amusement parks, ballparks, everything. Slap a fucking sign on any venue. Go, we can't be held responsible. If people want to go out, let them go on with their lives. If they don't, don't. But let people make that choice. Let people make, be responsible. And yeah. I think you can do it like Sweden, where people understand the parameters. Wear a mask, social distance. And go about your life. Be respectful to the elders and the people with respiratory issues. I, I think California is definitely a lot more on the conservative end of things. And when you travel around the country, you see it's like you guys shit on Arizona. You guys shit on Florida and the media. And you make fun of them. And look at them. They're going about their lives. And there isn't a mass 
you know, in influx of all these dead bodies, like we were seeing at the beginning of the pandemic in New York, it's not happening. So uh, yeah. to me, it's just like, let us get back to, to our lives, but responsibly, it'll, it'll, it'll shift the dynamic and we'll be responsible. Yeah. I I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for fucking, I mean, Trump beat it in two days. The fuck? How the fuck? I feel 20 years younger. I feel great. It's amazing. I, the guys, <laughs> all these comics shit on that guy, but I'm telling you, the minute he leaves office, whether it's in a month or two or it's in four years from now, the, all the late night talk shows, they all make a ton of money off of this guy, man. They all make a money, money off him. He's a fucking, say what you want, but man, he has made me laugh more than any other president oh ever in history. That, the, that debate, when, uh, we were, my, my wife and I died laughing. He said, I remember one time he said Ted Cruz's dad was the Golden State Killer. <laughs> yeah. like, and he, oh, I don't he know. Kill Kennedy. It's yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe, you know, you look it up. There's pictures of him. It's like he said, he said, he goes, look at Biden. Look at the size of his mask. It's ridiculous. And you're like, the fuck are you talking about? Like, it's I'm sitting there watching the debates going, this guy is fucking out of his mind. But it, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's, you know. I bet they. I bet. I bet if they had more tapes of Hitler, you'd be like, "I tell you what, the guy had some crazy ideas, but he was funny as fuck." <laughs> he was funny as fuck. He's the fucking funniest. I love like I googled crazy things Trump said, and one of the funniest is when somebody asked him about Heidi Klum. <laughs> this was this was what he said. They go, Donald Trump. I, I, you've worked with her before. What do you think, of Heidi Klum? Well, sadly, she's no longer a ten. <laughs> it's like who would say that? <laughs> That's fucking bananas. I was talking to Burr about it. Billy Bush got fired for just giggling at Trump saying, I grab him in the pussy. Dude, he courtesy laughed. He just he courtesy, courtesy laughed and got fired. Uh, ha, ha, ha. We all courtesy laughed. He didn't say anything. He didn't like, it's fucking, it is the most asinine thing. And there's so much hypocrisy within the city of Los Angeles. I'm a moderate. And I think that all the politics have bled so far left that that's another big reason why I'm leaving. I don't like, I don't like the fact that there is not the openness or willingness to embrace somebody else's perspective in the world. And I don't think it's fair that you have these people that beat their chest, Schumer, Silverman, Apatow, Birbiglia, you know, all these comics that are really hard left. And I don't find anything they say offensive. I, sometimes I agree with what they say, but the absolute condemnation of anybody who has a difference of opinion when you go to the Emmys, Oscars, or anything, and you shit on Trump, blah, 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 you get applauded. If you have, if you're in the same industry and you say those things, there's repercussions. So yeah. I respect more people that are on the right that really speak their mind as opposed to the left because they genuinely have something to lose when they speak out, which I feel is not the progressive values that you're hearing about from the left. What you got to embrace this person, this person, this person, except for that type of person, which I think is ridiculous. You look at the Emmys who got nominated. It's all shows that shit on Trump and, you know, the, the right. It's just like, there's no balance whatsoever. No, there's no balance in Hollywood. Fuck it. I'm, I feel you. I wish I was moving too. Well, dude, congratulations on your movie. It's fucking awesome. Congratulations on the move. I think you and your family, I can't wait to, I can't wait till I go to Nashville and I get to go over to your house. The next time I hang out with, with your crusher, I, I really want to tie one on and oh. just go, we, will. Let, we, we got the key to the city, baby. Let's do it. And just have a fucking ripper. I'll get bail money ready, all that stuff. So wait, where can everyone get your, where can everyone get your movie? So everybody can watch the film. It'll be released Friday, October 16th in theaters and streaming VOD, Apple, iTunes, you know, Amazon, all that stuff. You can pre-order it right now, but it comes out and look, 
everybody's been to a comedy club, but nobody's been on the road. And this film lets you go on the road. That's what it's all about. I love that. I love you, Steve. Thank you for doing this. I love this. you, Bernie. I generally do. And I cannot, I, you know, I, 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 I know for a fact, I'm calling it right now. When we go out, the minute the whiskey hits my tongue, I'm going to fucking cry because I'm going to hug you and say how much I love you. And so how happy I am for you and your family. I, I, in, in going on the road and hearing those conversations and how devoted you are to your family, I know that all that work, all those sacrifices that Leanne and the girls have made are coming to fruition for you. And I'm so glad you guys have this moment in time. I hope you enjoy the victory lap. And I know it's only going to build and continue. Thank you, brother. Thank you. you and to you. Tell Jess I said hi. And, uh, and I'll talk to you later, brother. Congratulations. Thank you, man. Love you, bud. Be safe. And tell, tell everybody I said hey. And, and tell Williamson I, I got to do some barbecue with him because I see his post. He's the fucking man with that. Oh, he's barbecuing and setting up a tennis court right now. Beauty. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, Take buddy. care. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.